That's the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Headlines in the Daily Dispatch for today, Thursday, the 9th of December, 2021. Bolt driver's body found dumped in water tank. The body of missing East London Bolt driver Avumile Mafukale, 22 years old, has been discovered in a water tank after a two-week search. Mafukale is believed to have been hijacked after the car he drove was found in Ngamakwe. Also off the front page of the dispatch today, a provincial memorial service will be held next week to honour the three netball players and coach who were killed when the bus taking them to a tournament in Cape Town overturned near Aberdeen on Sunday. For more on these and other stories, go to dispatchlive.co.za. The Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann. Tomorrow will mark the end of this year's 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. And we're catching up this morning with a lady who is very, very integral to the fight against gender-based violence. In the fight against gender-based violence, her name is Leslie Ann Foster, and she's from the Massimagnane Women's International Trust. Have I said that right? Yes, that's fine. Leslie Ann, we're coming to the end of the 16 days for 2021. How have you felt about it looking back? Have we achieved much? You know, we, we, I always look at the achievements and say, you know, we've, we have done some things. What I've noticed about this year um, is the impact that COVID has had on our work. There have been many, many more conversations about gender-based violence because of the access that Zoom and Microsoft Teams has given people. And so I, you know, I have noticed that there's been a lot of cross-movement uh, discussions. Uh, we've had inputs from groups who previously would not be accessible to us. So groups like the South African Women Lawyers Association, you know, they may have their meetings quietly, but now they can access the communities and communities can access those, um, you know, um, spaces much more. Just this morning, the East Cape uh, South African Police Services are releasing their statistics and it's been you know, open to uh, public. Um, and that's been that's something different. You know, all those spaces were closed before. So I think we are seeing a difference in that way. Are we seeing a reduction in the levels of gender-based violence? Not so much, unfortunately. And I think that, um, you know, that's still because we have a, a long way to go in terms of the structural uh, challenges that we face, but also on our prevention campaigns. Those have become a lot more sophisticated. We have greater um, a, a amounts of evidence that show where we need to put our energies. And um, so it's encouraging that I think going into the next year, we will see quite a significant shift because of our national strategic plan and because we are targeting six different areas which we've not done in the past. So some of the things that are happening is that there is for the first time a prevalence study on gender-based violence being done in the country. The state is involved in that. Um, and once we have that, that's going to give us, you know, new evidence, new information on which to base our strategies. So I'm very excited about that. On another level, um, our president has also, um, you know, put forward an idea to the African Union 
about responding to gender-based violence on a continental level. And that's a new development. And that comes out of his experience of working to develop the national strategic plan and on giving greater impetus to state responsibility for providing the safety and security of women and girl children at, at a national level. Now, you mentioned international interest, and that certainly has snowballed a little this year, not only from our very own President Cyril Ramaphosa, but from other African leaders across the continent. You've received congratulations, words of welcome, words of well done. Tell us a bit about that. That's been very exciting, uh, you know, having been on the interim steering committee that developed the National Strategic Plan, uh, we formed a relationship with the presidency that has actually grown. So what I've seen from the presidency, a willingness to open up um, work with working with civil society organizations. And we were very privileged as Masimanyane Women's Rights International to be invited to partner uh, the president's office on his work on the continent. Um, and on the 25th of November, which is the International Day of No Violence Against Women, there was a film that was produced in South Africa about violence against women. And the president was um, instrumental in getting a heads of state meeting together, which was held in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And that film, which Masimanyani played um, quite a significant role in producing, was shown there. And uh, we were given recognition for having for supporting that initiative. And we're now part of um, the conversation, the continental conversation on developing an instrument for Africa that specifically deals with um, violence against women and girl children. So a very exciting moment for us. It's an exciting moment for us because we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year. So to have reached, you know, the levels of of moving beyond working, you know, in the Eastern Cape to working nationally and now working regionally, it's very exciting for us. What I also found positive is that men's organisations are getting behind your movement now. And I refer to the first men's conference of heads of state and government to eliminate violence against women and girls, which took place at the end of November. Yes, Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the recognition that most heads of state in our, on our continent are men, um, that we, we, we've been working and the president has put his energy, President Ramaphosa, into getting heads of state to acknowledge and to put political commitment to actually addressing gender-based violence is a very big step forward for us. And many of them have made a commitment to actually addressing it at a country level. And that would give us a stronger response at a, a, a you know national level mm-hmm. and regional level. So we're very excited about that. It's, it's a big shift for us. So you know when people say, but the levels of violence are going up and femicide are going up, we also have to look at what the gains are because and balance those off. You know, we have to balance those. And if you look at the work that's been done on prevention in schools, in universities and so forth, um, you know, you can see that there's been a, a really big shift it hasn't changed the levels yet, but it will. And we we have to believe that because, you know, to work at this and think, well, it's never going to change is a defeatist attitude. We continue to chip at that rock 
until it gives way and until we ensure that everyone in our society is safe and secure and protected and that they enjoy their human rights. Well, you've made huge strides so far this year. Which part of the rock are you going to be chipping at next? Actually, this is going to come as a bit of a surprise to you, but we are now dipping into the COVID-19 pandemic um, uh, foray. And that is that uh, we've joined a campaign called Feminists for People's Vaccines. And this is a fight against vaccine apartheid. It's a fight to say, um, you know, the inequality in our societies is what uh, is at stake here and how people are being disadvantaged. You know, in some countries on the continent, we only have a 5% uptake because there's just no vaccines available. And so we are working on that. It's a whole new area for us. And again, the link is COVID-19, the increase in gender-based violence, and what a lack of access to to, um, vaccines means for women. So we're not changing our focus. We are saying we know that during COVID and it continues, higher levels of violence were experienced by women and girls. Um, You know, how do we address this and how do we address it in the context of COVID and also in the context of a lack of access to vaccines? So we're constantly trying to keep uh, up with the development, the geopolitical spaces and development and saying what is relevant. And we joined this campaign one month before all the borders were shut again. And, you know, when it came to my mind that it was just so opportune that we had joined this campaign, very new discussions to uh, to us because we're now engaging with the World Trade Organization and what they're doing um, and how that's impacting on us. But it also impacts on the World Bank and IMF who have all these structural adjustment programs that, that put countries deeper into poverty. And what that means is lack of access, less spending on education, on health, on other social programs, including gender-based violence. So we're taking our struggle onto a bigger scale because that's really where the decisions are made. And we don't we don't always look at that. We think that, you know, if we're working at the local level, we talk about job creation, we talk about trying to get people work opportunities. They're not there. But that's because of the decisions that are made on a, on a global level. So we're trying to bring that local to global gap closer together. Should any girl or any woman believe that they are being subjected to gender-based violence? What is the best route for them to follow if they wish to take action? Is it the South African police or are there other organisations they can approach? Well, there is a um, a national command centre to which they can, um, you know, they can they can call that command centre. It operates twenty four hours a, a, a twenty four hours a day, and also um, they can get any kind of help that they need from that. In the Eastern Cape, you can call Masimanyane. Our number is zero four three seven four three. 9169 and you will get an answer to that you can go onto the website um you know there they're different um what do you call it they're different mechanisms i'm just looking for the number for the national command center um i should have it on on in my mind but i don't um and then and and then you will get help and you will be you know if you're in a different uh place or space, they will refer you to whichever province you need to be in. 
Um, and I think that's maybe Daryl, you can give them, you know, the, that address a little later on. But that's a very good starting point is to go. And with Massimignani, you can you can go to our website and there you will get, um, you know, help as well almost immediately. Um, you know, somebody will, will, will attend to you. But I think, um, yeah, that's that's really the best way. The command center works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's really, really powerful. Um, and I think, you know, you can you can get that. So can I give you the number for that? Sure. <clears throat> yeah, the emergency helpline is 0800-428-428. And I think um, that's very, very powerful. Um, I think it's free as well. So people can, you know, call... There's uh, the deaf community can be attacked, uh, you know, supported there. And then if you need a shot, if, you, if, if women are really in desperate need of safety, um, they will then, you know, refer you to the national shelter movement and you can get a shelter. And I know we've used this before, so it works really well. Uh, but you can also call SAPS, of course, on 10111. Fair enough. We're speaking with Dr. Leslie Ann Foster from the Masimanyane Women's Rights International. We appreciate your input. We appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much for joining us on the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann this morning. Thank you very much. That was the Daily Dispatch in discussion with Darren Mann.